Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. Glad you're joining me on this episode. If we have not met before, my name is John Whitaker. I am the creator and host of the Bible in Life, as well as the Listener's Commentary, which is another podcast where I just take Bible books and walk through them chunk by chunk, teach straight through those books, helping us to understand those. So if you haven't already, you can check out the Listener's Commentary as well. But here on the Bible in Life, We have been in a little series just exploring some things from the book of Proverbs, an Old Testament wisdom book that gives short little sayings, at least the majority of them are short little sayings that describes general truths, things that are just generally speaking true about how life is designed to function. And in last week's episode, we explored really in general what a proverb is, uh, what does it mean to be wisdom literature, and we looked at then Proverbs chapter 9 and the call between lady wisdom and the woman folly, and every day we're facing that choice. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I just want to apologize for any issues that you had with last week's episode. Uh, I learned midway through the week that there were some tech issues that actually kept that from being distributed to all the podcast platforms. Took, uh, took a few hours on Monday working with my hosting site to figure out what that uh, problem was. I think we got that resolved. And so that episode is now out and available if you haven't checked it out. And now we're into this episode, episode three, where we want to look at um, a theme that is really important to the book of Proverbs, a theme that is really important to the entire Bible, a theme that is somewhat forgotten and lost, not only in our world, but oftentimes even in modern Christianity. And that theme is the fear of God or the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says this about both wisdom and the fear of the Lord. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is the foundation. It is the fountainhead. It is it's the prerequisite for, it's the thing from which wisdom ultimately will flow. And so the fear of the Lord is the very beginning of wisdom. And so then that raises this important question that will be the key question for this podcast, and that is, How does that work? How is the fear of the Lord the beginning of wisdom? How does that work? And so in order to answer that question, we first have to understand the fear of the Lord. What's that? And there have been a number of basic answers to that, but let me try to flesh it out like this. When we're talking about the fear of the Lord, the the thing that really helps us grasp that is to think through who is God? Who is God? And to realize that God is the creator of all that exists, from every microscopic little thing on our planet to the vastness of galaxies and the solar system and the universe and all of that, that the the God that we are dealing with when we come to God in Christ is the God who simply spoke all of this into existence. He is the the creator, and he is infinite and almighty. I mean, just think about that. Infinite means unlimited and almighty. He's got full power, full strength, full wisdom. 
And God dreamed all this stuff up that makes up our universe and our world. And he has the capacity to speak it into existence. He has the capacity to give life to things that wouldn't otherwise be alive. He is this infinite, almighty creator of the universe. And he's also holy. And that word means set apart, different, distinct, like like. God is so different from us as being an uncreated, eternal spirit being that's infinite and almighty. And here we are as human beings, and we are not infinite. We are finite. We are not almighty. We are incredibly limited in our power. God could give life at, at just by willing it and speaking it. And we don't have that capacity except in a derivative sense from him, right? Like God is holy, and not only is he holy just in his being, he's holy in his character and his morality, that God is perfect, holy love. God never desires anything that's unholy. And God is the, not only all this, he's the majestic king. Now, when you think about a person like that, a being like that, it's like, God is so incredible. How could we not at least have deep-seated uh, fear, awe, reverence for him? Uh, Exodus 33 says this about God, because he's so infinite, so mighty, so majestic, so holy. Here's what Exodus 33, 18 through 20 says. It's a story about Moses. And uh, God and Moses are having this conversation on Mount Sinai, and Moses has a request. And here's Moses' request. Please, show me your glory. And God said back to him, I myself will make all my goodness, that is all my glory, all my essence, all my maj majesty pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I am. I will be gracious and I'll show compassion on whom I have compassion. I don't have to do this. I'm choosing to do this for you, Moses. And I will do this. But here's what God says in verse 20. He said further to him, but you cannot see my face for no person shall see me and live. Just think about that. God is so incredible, so powerful so infinite, so majestic, so holy, so other than us and so almighty that no person can see his face and live. That's what God says. God's not somebody to be trifled with. It reminds me of a scene from C.S. Lewis's classic, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where the Pevinci children have just ended up in Narnia for the first time. It is winter. They aren't sure where they're at, and they're not sure what to do. And they end up, in the course of the story, meeting the this uh, family of beavers, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. Uh, in If you're not familiar with the stories of Narnia, animals in Narnia can talk. So Mr. and Mrs. Beaver can talk. And so Mr. and Mrs. Beaver decide, here's what we need to do. If you are here, then this means old poems and prophecies are coming to fruition, and we need to go see Aslan. And so they began making preparations and plans to go see Aslan. And in the story, Aslan is a massive, giant, powerful lion, and he is the Christ figure in C.S. Lewis's story. And um, as they're making their preparations, uh, Mrs. Beaver mentions... Uh, that, that Aslan is a lion. And the children all of a sudden are a little bit uh, af afraid that they're going to see this lion. And one of the children asks, 
Oh, a lion. I didn't realize he was a lion. Is he safe? And Mr. Beaver responds to the children like this. He says, safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And that's really this image we need to have of God when we talk about the fear of the Lord, that that God is not safe. He's not someone to be trifled with. No one can see my face and live, God says. He's not safe, but at the same time he's not safe, he is good. And we need to hold both of those things together. And remember that God is not somebody to be trifled with. Again, a couple stories from uh, the Bible, Old Testament story first, uh, from the book of Numbers during the time of the Exodus, um, Aaron's two sons who were serving as priests in the tabernacle that God had given them very specific, very clear instructions, not only for how to build the tabernacle, but how the order of worship ought to happen in the tabernacle. And uh, Aaron's two sons, Nadab and Abihu, it says, entered in and they, they took incense, the wrong kind of incense, or they did the incense in the wrong way. They were cavalier and frivolous. Didn't matter. They were going to do their own thing. They went rogue with the incense. And it says in Numbers that they offered strange fire. And there's a variety of ways we can understand that, but they just went rogue with the incense that they were supposed to bring into the tabernacle. And the text tells us that fire fell from heaven and consumed Nadab and Abihu right there on the spot. That God's like, no, we're just getting started with this thing. This is like, you know, the first few weeks of the, the tabernacle service and you're already going rogue. We're not doing that. And God is not someone to be trifled with. It's not just the Old Testament either. Think again, very early on in the the history of the church, right at the beginning, Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And Ananias and Sapphira were uh, watching what was happening as people were selling their property and giving away all the proceeds to the church to take care of the needy among them. And Ananias and Sapphira concocted a plan where they would sell a piece of property they had And instead of giving 100% of the proceeds, they didn't have to. It was their choice. Peter says that to him. Wasn't it your choice? You could do with the money, whatever you wanted. They decided to give part of the money. We don't know what percentage, but a percentage of the money and lie about it. Lie that it was 100%. Motivated both by greed and yet by looking important and good before the eyes of the church. This was their plan. And they sold their property, gave a part of it to Uh, The church kept part back for themselves, but said it was 100%. They lied about it. And what happened? Well, both Ananias and Sapphira, when you read the story, um, are, they're executed right there on the spot. God just, however he does it. Ananias first, three hours later, Sapphira comes in. It's clear that she's part of the plot. And so she as well dies right there on the spot. And twice in that little episode, it says, great fear came upon the whole church. Great fear came upon all who heard about these things, that God was among them and God was at work and God's not someone to be trifled with. And so when we talk about the uh, fear of the Lord, we're talking about this being, this, this almighty, infinite, holy, majestic king of the universe, the creator of all things, who is so powerful and so mighty that you, 
that you can't trifle with him. And yet at the same time, we need to hold with that, this sense, and yet that he's gracious and merciful and he'll be gracious to whom he's gracious and compassionate to whom he's compassionate. And so he's good and yet he's also not safe. And when you search the passages uh, on fearing God or fearing the Lord in the Bible, um, what's amazing is how many of them have to do with listening to God and doing what he says, just simply honoring him as God and listening to his commands and putting them into practice. And so one person put it like this, those who fear the Lord have a continual awareness of him, a deep reverence for him, and a sincere commitment to obey him. Like both, All of those things, like uh, they have a continual awareness. They live before God and realize that God is among them and in their midst and he's over all and he is present everywhere they are. So continually aware of him, a deep, deep respect and honor and reverence for his power and his greatness and his holiness and a sincere commitment to listen and obey him. That's ultimately what it, what it means for us to fear the Lord. So with that, back to our key question. Well, how is that then? the beginning of wisdom. How is fearing the Lord like that the beginning of wisdom? Well, we've got to remember what wisdom is as we looked at last week. That wisdom, we said last week um, in the last couple episodes, wisdom is rooted in creation. That is, it's rooted in the way things are made and what they are made for. It's woven into the fabric of how things are designed to operate and what their purpose uh, in operation is. Like, why are they here and how are they best designed to function? That's what we said it means for wisdom to be rooted in or woven into the fabric of creation. And so you can only have wisdom when when you understand that, when you understand that Uh, here's how creation is made to function. Here's uh, the aim with which it's made to function. Why it's, right, like, what does it mean to be human? And how are humans best designed to function? And why are we designed to function that way? What's our goal, our purpose? So wisdom is rooted in creation, and you, you can only have it when you understand how creation is designed to function. Well, since God is the creator, then honoring him, listening to him, and submitting to him is a necessary prerequisite to grasping wisdom, to having wisdom. And in fact, any actual wisdom that anybody has or shares or says or speaks, right? Any actual wisdom is actually going to be in sync with God, with who God is and why God created the world and what the world is here for. In the context of Scripture, when it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, what that means is the only good or wise choices are godly choices. The only really truly wise choices are godly choices that are in sync with God's plans, God's purposes, God's ways for this world. And since wisdom entails not just information, but also implementation, fearing God is a prerequisite to being able to put his wisdom into practice. If you don't fear him, if you don't trust him, then you won't do what he says. If you're in rebellion to him, then you won't listen to him. And so even if you grasp wisdom, 
but you don't really fear God, you're going to have a harder time putting that wisdom into practice because wisdom ultimately is a matter of orientation to God, out of which comes the ability to please him. And so, in this way, fearing God is the fountainhead of all true, genuine wisdom, wisdom that's both grasped and wisdom that's both lived out in human experience. Because God is the epicenter of wisdom. God is the one who has woven wisdom into the fabric of creation. And so as we live before God, uh, orient our life under him and towards him and around him, then we can begin to see what life is really about. Then we can begin to see how life is really meant to be lived and why it's meant to be lived that way. Then we can really acquire the skill of living. And that's what wisdom is. And so, Proverbs tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the key to acquiring that, to acquiring the fear of the Lord, is to orient our life unto Him, around Him, under Him, gaze upon Him, uh, and get to know God. And as we do that and realize His majesty and His power, then we will begin to grasp genuine, true real wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I pray that you walk with God this week, that you gaze upon him and you find your life and your purpose and your wisdom in him. I hope you have a wonderful week in Christ. I look forward to talking with you again next week.